be uh, really a how-to. It's really strong on my heart. Uh, we've got to walk in victory. How many would like their life to be victorious? Okay, but now let me ask the question, why? Now, most people would answer, because it's better to live in victory than it is the defeat. But do you understand that's all about you? No, wait, no, wait a minute. You've got you to gotta connect with me here. If it's all about you, it's not going to be in the power of God. Because everything based on the Word of God is about an outflow to somebody else. So then, because I want to I live in victory. But I've been working on David in my thinking. Why do I want to live in victory? To prove that the Word of God works. Now, if I can live and prove the Word of God works, I'm in victory. But God is being seen. What's the motive of our life? I remember I was walking with my uncle-in-law one time down the road. You know, Tammy's family. They're all Mormons. And uh, David said, yes. When are you going to get in the church? I'm like, I am in the church. No, we were saying two separate things. No, I'm in the Mormon church. I said, why in the world would I want to get in that? You guys are all sick and uh, dying and, and got no victory in life. He just kind of looked at me. I really did say that. And uh, he just kind of looked at me and never witnessed to me again. And uh, you and I are designed to live in the power of God. Now, I, hey, don't get mad at me. I would uh, say that to most Christians, too. Because most Christians aren't living in, in the power. You and I should live in the power of God. What's keeping us from it? Well, before we get there, let's, uh, let's make our confession. I believe everything my Bible says. I am aligned with God. I trust the Word. Over everything I see. Over everything I hear. Over everything I experience. Because I trust in the Lord. Now, there's, there's a reality in that, that you have to trust the Word of God over everything you see, hear, and feel. Now, now, go back to my story on last Sunday when I was fighting whatever was trying to get on me. I had to trust the Word more than what I felt. Now I was feeling it. See, when somebody gets ugly with you, you got to trust the word more than what you're feeling in that ugly situation. When it seems like money is, is drying up, you got to trust the word more than what it looks like to your checkbook. Why? Well, because I want my checkbook full or because I want to be. No, because I've got to prove the word of God. Amen. Got a word. You got a scripture on that, Pastor? Well, thank you for asking. Romans, Romans 12, chapter, uh, chapter 12, verse 2. Be not conformed to this world. Don't do things the way the world does, but be transformed through the renewing of your mind. So you've got to change the way you think so that you think according to the word so that you may prove what is the good, acceptable, perfect will of God. Amen. God wants you healed. That's the will of God. I've got to prove it. I've got to prove that God wants me healed. Now, in the, walking in the victory of it, I feel better. Amen. That's the plus on my side. 
Okay, uh, he that was rich became poor that you might be rich. I got to prove that God wants me to have more than enough. Now, don't get hung up on the word rich. He didn't say he's going to make you a billionaire. Basically, everything where the Bible talks about the blessings of God and prosperity is having more than enough. You're going to set the limit on how much more than enough is. Some people, $1,500 a month is more than enough. You know, if we can just take care of the bills and get by, hallelujah, then we're okay. Well, rock on, live in it. But if you have a mindset like me, now I, I've told my story before, my goal, we're getting closer, my goal is to get 51% of our, our income. Amen. Well, to live on the 49% takes a lot more money to have more than enough than to live on, you know, plunking a $10 bill to God every once in a while. That's easy to do. So I've got, I've got to prove that the Word of God works. Most people have a job and work so they can live. The Bible says to work so that you have to give. And give, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, shall God uh, allow to flow back to you. The according, uh, the, uh, to the measure according, the, I'm chopping the verse all up. It's Luke 6, uh, 36 or 38, I think, something like that. And uh, uh, pressed down, shaken together, shall men give into your bosom. We're sitting here trying to fight to keep a $10 bill, and God's trying to give a, get us to walk in an abundance that we can't even imagine. Uh, if you streamed with Pastor Harbaugh this morning, he gave the uh, analogy. He said that he read somewhere that the average size of a man's hand can hold three tablespoons of water. He says, but God, the Word of God says that God holds the waters of the earth in his hand. Now, which hand do you want to draw out of? Okay, but which one do we? See, there, there's a battle in here that, that we have to remedy in, in our lives. And so uh, I've been talking about the name of Jesus. And in the name of Jesus, I've been talking about a power of attorney. Now, do we, do, does anybody in here, I, I've explained it, but does anybody still not understand what a power of attorney is? Anybody? I'll go over it again because you've got to understand this. Okay, praise the Lord. But I think you're all wrong. Because if you, have a, if you have a legitimately drawn power of attorney, you don't beg to do something. You don't plead to do something. If you have a power of attorney and, and you walk into a place to, to transact business and they say, we don't accept those. Oh, please, come on. It was notarized. No, you're, no you don't understand. You don't have the choice of whether you honor it, accept it or not. I have legal jurisdiction to make this happen. If you really understand a power of attorney, you can walk in and you can dictate business because your signature is as good as this document. You have legal jurisdiction. Well, through the name of Jesus, we have been given legal jurisdiction but most people, even in their prayers, are praying from a position of victimization. Yeah. Oh, God, please help me. Oh, God, please, please get me out of this. Heal my body. Jesus, do something. Because we don't understand the power of attorney. Now, there are things in the Bible that you and I need to pray about. In fact, most people, let me just say this, because I might sound like I'm anti-prayer, and I'm not. Christians need to pray more. Yeah, that's right. I mean, like a lot more. Yeah. But there's some things 
that you and I don't need to pray about. Now, I've been using David and Goliath as a, as a basis of my, um, of my study here on the name of Jesus, that when it came time, and it, when he was in the army of Israel, you know, came into the, the camp of the army of Israel, he was not in the army, uh, and uh, all of a sudden this Goliath of a man, this giant started talking his smack, and he's like seeing the, the army run off and hide behind rocks, and then somebody said, man, did you hear what the king said he'd do for the man that kills this giant? You never will read in there where David prayed about whether he could have victory or not. Never once. Daniel, <clears throat> thrown in the lion's den because of prayer, but when he was being thrown into the lion's den, he, you never see him praying about his outcome. Jesus, when he was asleep in the boat and the storm is sinking the boat, you never see him praying about deliverance from the storm. There's things that we pray about, but there's things that we have power of attorney in. We have jurisdiction in. We have authority of the name. So we have to know, we have to understand which is which. If you've got a loved one in your family that's not born again, and you want to see them give their life to the Lord, you have to pray about that. Because you have no jurisdiction. If you and I, uh, it would be manipulation in a form of witchcraft, if you and I could make somebody accept the Lord. God has given us a will of our own. We can decide. Now, we can pray that God would move, that God would send the right person, that they would listen to him, that they would have ears of understanding. There's, this is an element of prayer that we should be praying for our families. We should be praying. I've got a list in my prayer journal of people I want to see born again. Some are family members. Some, I've never even met them before. It just tugged on my heart to pray for their salvation. Never met them in my life. Not even friends on Facebook. <clears throat> but, but they're in my prayer journal. Some are countries. I pray over Myanmar. I pray over North Korea. I've been praying over North Korea for a long time. I, uh, I, when we were downtown, I, I came in one time, and uh, one of our missionaries, they do work there, you know, undercover, and they sneak in from China. They do all, all different kinds of things in North Korea that we support. And, um, and so I came in, and I, I referenced, and I said, uh, you know, I've been talking to and I named the missionary. I'm not going to do it now because we're live streaming and uh, because of the things that they do. But anyway, the, I, I came in and I said, I've been talking to so-and-so and, -so, and uh, he's invited me to go with him to North Korea. It got quiet. And I said, so, so the plan is that we're leaving and I picked a date. Now, this story was total nonsense. I was, it was actually a lead up to my, my sermon, which was on fear. And, uh, uh, and so I, uh, it, it was quiet. I mean, it was quiet. And I said, we're going to fly into China, and then we're going to go over to the border, and then there's somebody that's going to meet us from the underground church in North Korea. And I had this thing all mapped out, you know, the strategy going in. And I hadn't even told Tammy I was going to do this, and her jaw was dropping, and, uh, um, you know, and everything like that, and it was going to go in. And uh, then I, I, I said, no, I'm just joking. And, there, and there's like this, <sighs> and uh, then I, I started ministering on fear because everybody got afraid. I hope you're making a connection here. See, jurisdiction. Authority. Can, can I help you with one little thing on this? I told about when we need to pray for love done. You don't need to pray about getting healed. You've been given authority over it. These signs shall follow them that believe that they'll lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Now that is a prayer. That's belief in the name and the use of the name. But for you... 
standing in victory, you, you only need somebody to pray for you if you don't have the faith to do it, if you don't have the revelation of who you are in Christ. We have a big identity struggle in the body of Christ. We don't know who we are. Why do we not know who we are? We haven't taken the time to, to study, to research, to find out who we are, or, or we've been preached doctrines that, that don't teach us who we are. The, the preacher doesn't understand who they are. I mean, there, there could be a lot of different uh, elements, but until we conquer this element that we can see who we are, how are we ever going to walk in it? So this identity struggle is a real thing. Now, um, so in that, in that power of attorney, there is no begging. There is no pleading. There is no... You walk in authority. Interesting story. I heard Kenneth Hagin tell the story. And he was praying. You know, he's in ministry. He's struggling financially. And he's asking God to, to bring some money in. He, just said, he said, the Lord spoke to him. He said, what do you want me to do? Print it? I'm not a counterfeiter. He said, that's under your control. That's a natural thing. He says, you got two problems. He says, uh, one is you need to stand against the enemy who's trying to stop your, the flow of money into your, your life. Spiritual authority. You need to bind the enemy from working. You have jurisdiction over him. He's, he's defeated. He says, and you've got ministering, uh, ministering spirits that have been sent for the heirs of salvation. Cause them to go out and bring it into you. Now, just stop and think about how what you do when it gets a little bit tight on the money. How do we approach it? Lord, give me an answer. He's giving you an answer. He's giving his word. Do we, do we stop and we deal with the fact of why is money not flowing? Because it's a spiritual dynamic in a natural world, in a natural setting, and money is a natural thing that God uses in the system of the world, the barter system of the world, but he's not a counterfeiter. He says, I've given you all things. He's already given it to us. In fact, if we look at our disposition in life, we don't even understand that because this world was created for believers, not for sinners, and yet sinners control the world. How much of Visalia should we own? Along with other believers in, in town. I'm not saying it's just us. But yeah, how, how, how much does the Christians own and control? Very little. I'm going to paraphrase a verse right now. I've seen slaves riding horses while princes walk. You and I are living below what God has given us to, to live in because we don't understand it. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed through the renewing of your mind. At some point, you and I have got to rise up. It, it really makes me laugh in a sad kind of way because there's a lot of people thinking, you know, well, I feel called to do this. It's like you, you can't even submit or behave in the house of God, and yet you think God's called you to do something? See, we think we're all spiritual because we got an answer to prayer, or we got, you know, a this, or we got a that. But when you and I learn how to walk in the Spirit, we have, we have authority. But it's not us, it's God. So turn to the book of James chapter 4. Yes. So I'm going to show you some things in here. This is a real problem. Uh, this is probably more of a Wednesday night teaching service, but I want people to overcome in their life. But we have to understand how to overcome. We get this sense and this idea that, that everything's okay because we're born again. Praise God eternally, it is okay. But now are we going to rule and reign in this life? You've got to break free from something just like I've got to break free from something. 
I was doctrinalized. I'm not saying everything was bad and everything was wrong, but it wasn't working. I even said when, when, when uh, the door opened, I knew I was called to ministry. I was not fighting to get into ministry. Uh, in fact, I was fighting to keep from getting in, in ministry because I knew the weight of the responsibility of it. But, uh, um, but in that, the, the elements was, I, don't, I, I saw people getting blessed. Get, just, woo, you know, and, and, you know, good altar services on Sunday. And then Monday they couldn't live. Just fighting this problem, fighting that problem. And I thought, I, I don't want to be that kind of a preacher. If, if I can't make this work on Monday morning, how many knows Monday morning cometh? Like in 12 hours? Or no, maybe a little bit longer than that. Monday morning cometh. If I can't make this work on Monday morning or Thursday evening, what good is it for me? It's, it's easy to be a Christian in church. It's easy to get a hallelujah on in church. It's easy to send a, a song that God can do everything in church. But on Monday morning, when all hell is breaking loose and people are being people and you're trying to figure out how to hold it all together, that's when you've got to be able to take the word of God and make it work. And that's what I'm trying to do. So in, in James chapter 4, verse 1, it says, From whence comes wars and fightings among you? Stop thinking about this for a moment. Where does your problems... Now, you can read wars as, you know, countries going to war and stuff like that. But look at the wars in your life. The war with people, the war with your, your job, the war to keep your money flowing, the war to, to keep your health going. Just where does wars and fightings uh, come uh, among you? Well, if you look at a couple, uh, you two probably never warred, right? You probably never put on one of those faces that you look at me at with, right? <laughs> now, where did it come Y'all follow me like if you ever been married for like eight hours or longer. Okay. okay, where do they come from? Well, you want what you want, huh? But he wanting something different, right? So, so, so get the. So now I'm getting some participation. But, but now, we understand this naturally. But, but. I'm not dealing so much with the natural, I'm dealing with the spiritual. So, so you got to track with me on this, okay? Because the things that we deal with, how can I say this where it makes sense? Well, let me just go back to health and healing. If, if everything that would ever attack our body, I don't care how serious it is, has been taken care of by the stripes of Jesus. Paul comes along later in, the, in Corinthians and says, because you, you received this, you know, take the bread, you know, this is my body broken for you. The whipping post where by his stripes I'm healed. Uh, many people are sick and weak among you because they, they don't do this worthily or they don't understand what's going on and how to apply it to their life. If, if that element has taken care of sickness and disease, how come you and I can't successfully walk in it? Now, this is an arena that we have been redeemed from sickness and disease. The price has been paid. Why is it such a struggle for you and I to walk in? Now, I gave a testimony during the offering time about my struggle last week, last Sunday, but it was not really that good of a testimony. Because why did I have it? Two hours is better than two days. But I shouldn't have the two hours. I got a, a report on the thrift store this week. We have a minimum set of gold. And it was $5 per day less than what we believe for. Now, some people may shout hallelujah. 
I said, Lord, I thank you for this, but that's below what we're believing for. We serve a God that says he's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. We've set a minimum goal on a day-to-day basis of what we should have, and we're $5 left. That don't sound like exceeding abundantly above all that I can ask or think, because I was able to ask, and I was able to think, and I was able to pray and believe God for it, and we came up $5 short. Well, what's $5 in the whole scheme of things? Okay, I, I get that. It's like really nothing. Won't even buy you a hamburger and fries today. But, um, uh, but what about proving the Word of God? It's below the standard of expectation of the Word of God that He set for my life. Does that make sense? Come they not hence. Oh no, we're going to get deep here. Even of your lusts that war in your members. They come from the desire of what we want. Here's where the battle is. What I want and what God says. Now, I tell you what, if you weren't streaming with Pastor Harbaum this morning, he did an excellent job. He told a, a personal story of his, of, of he was given everything to go to, he was setting, it was during the days of setting up what's going on now uh, very abundantly in Africa. But he, he was telling everything and he's preaching. He, he, t- he was there for six months. He'd, he'd work and save up money and he would go and he's doing all this. And in the middle of his preaching, uh, uh, long story, or longer story, I'm just going to tell the Lord said, You've not given up your cross. He literally stopped preaching, turned to his interpreter and said, uh, Brother Soso, finish this up. And he said he walked out, fell before the Lord. He says, what am I doing here? I've worked six months. I put scrape every dime I can together to get over here to establish what I feel that you put in my heart to do. And you tell me, he says, I'm staying. And he talked about the motel he was staying in, which was like horrific. He says, I'm not over here for the food or the accommodations I'm doing here trying to do the will of God. And, and you tell me I haven't given up my cross yet. And he walks through the story and God spoke to him something interesting. Son, every time I try to get you to the next place, you come up with your excuse. Lust. I want to make sure my life is safe. There's no greater safety than in Christ. I want to make sure everything works. I want to make sure I get what I want. I want to make sure that, that, that I don't miss out on this or I don't miss out on that <clears throat> with a God who says, I'll give you all things to freely enjoy. The battles that you and I walk through as we say we're serving a God Almighty, it's where what God wants contradicts what we want. The battles we fight, the wars we face are birthed from the desires that are within us, lust, that we're trying to hold on to and pursue. One of the main scriptures pastor used was that he was obedient even unto death. Most people can't do that. Verse 2, you lust and you have not. Isn't it amazing? We keep doing that. We, we even have a saying for this, and we probably all said it. That insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, thinking that we're getting going to get a different result. The Bible says you lust or you operate based on your desires, and you have not. It's not working for you, but yet you keep doing it. This is the story of David's life for so many years. Because David was smart enough to figure out how to make it work. He, he had some successes in there. But it wasn't working. 
But David was smart enough to think that David knew and that if David just tweaked this here or tweaked that there, that he could make it work, but it still wasn't working. How many years have you been doing that? You lust and you have not, you kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you have not because you ask not. Okay, so we know that. We don't ask of God. We don't go to the Father. We don't give to the giver of life. We don't give, go to Him. We don't ask Him for it. And then you ask and you receive not because you ask amiss that you may consume it upon your own lust. So let's just go back to uh, the two elements of health and money. Why do most people want to be healthy? Because who wants to be sick? I'll feel better if I'm not sick. But they have no intention of doing more for God. I want to get well. So I can do me. God bless me. Give me more money. Why? So I can spend more. So I don't have to be frustrated with things. Well, why don't, why don't that work? Because you ask amiss. God doesn't care what you... When we can't even be faithful with small things, how in the world can we walk in great things? That's actually a verse. What am I talking about? The authority and the power of attorney of the name of Jesus. I've not departed from that. Verse 4, you adulterers and adulteresses. Now, he's not talking about sexual adultery. Because he's talked about nothing sexual here or what we're getting into. You adulterers and adulteresses, know you not that friendship of the world is enmity with God? Hostility with God? Whosoever, therefore, will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Now, what's he saying here? What's the adultery? You're stepping out on him. How am I stepping out on him? Because I'm trying to do it the way the world says to do it. Because I'm trying to listen to Dr. So-and-so. Uh, it could be a medical doctor. It could be a, a Ph.D. doctor. But I'm, what I'm inferring is I listen to the educated person. Well, I listen to the talking heads on, on all these podcasts, and they said I have to do this and that. And they're a good Christian. How do you know? How do you even know what's in that cup they keep sip, sipping on? <laughs> How do you know what they do once they leave the microphone, once they leave the podcast? Oh, but they're an influencer. Yeah, and the problem is they're influencing you. And you don't know who they are. This is the church world also. I've told the story many times about the church. Large church in Dallas doesn't exist anymore. But they would go down and do the, feed the hungry, bring blankets, go down Skid Row and do all this. And then once the camera crews left, they'd go back and collect it back all up so they could do it the next time. And didn't have to rebuy stuff. How do you know that the, the, the works that they're doing is good? Ah, t- Matthew 25-ish, something like that. Jesus said, many shall come in my name saying that I am Christ and shall deceive many. It's amazing to me how many people listen to how many people. You, you, do you ever look at the fruit of their life? I'm talking even within the church. Do you know the Bible says that even in a local church, we'll just pick on ourselves, that wolves will come in. People will come in talking all kinds of good. Well, I feel called to this. Yeah, but I look at your life. You're not submitted. You got no honor in you. Feeling punchy here. There's a way that this works. 
And that's what I'm trying to say. If we can align ourselves. Here, here's the problem. This friendship with the world or the, we do things the way that we think. Verse 5. Do you think that the scripture saith in vain that the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy? Now we wouldn't speak that way. Let me read this out of a couple of different translations. The ERC, ERV, which is like the easy read version, says, Do you think the scriptures mean nothing? The scriptures say the spirit of God that was made to live in us, wants us only for himself. Now, you, you, we say we're serving a creator. We start talking about the power that is in him. But do we realize he wants us for himself? Now, he gives us everything. He's paid the price for everything. But he wants 100% of us. Let me read it out of the uh, Amplified. Uh, no, I'm going to read that one. Out. Let me read it out of the, the Message Bible. I'm not a real big Message Bible fan, but this was really good. And this is actually uh, 4 through 6. You're cheating on God. Remember I just said you're stepping out. If all you want is your own way. When do we display our own way? When we don't turn our phones off? Because we might miss that important call. Because the word of God's not that important. We get there when we get there. Talk about to the house of God. Right, let me just keep reading. <laughs> Flirting with the world every chance you get, you end up enemies of God and his way. And do you suppose God doesn't care? The proverb has it that He's a fiercely jealous lover. And what he gives in love is far better than anything else you'll find. It's common knowledge that God goes against the willful proud. God gives grace to the willing humble. Now, if you, if you didn't catch it from that version, uh, the, the antithesis to this walking in God is pride. We think we are smart enough, good enough, spiritual enough, or whatever, that we can figure out and interpret God. God needs an interpretation. He, he has a way of communicating that we can understand Him. Amen. What comes down is, do I really want to do what He says to do? Or is my feelings more dominant in my life? Is my want to, James uses the word lust, is my want to stronger than God. Let me read it out of the Amplified Classic. Or do you suppose that the Scripture is speaking to no purpose that, uh, that says the Spirit whom He has created to dwell in us yearns over us and He yearns for the Spirit to be welcomed with a jealous love? Back to the King James, verse 6. But he gives more grace, wherefore he saith, God resists the proud and gives grace unto the humble. Now, grace is not a gener generic term. It's for the believer, and it's the provision of heaven that has been made available to the believer. But it does not mean that just because of grace, you're going to live in it. That's why Paul came back and said, I do not frustrate the grace of God, or I have not received the grace of God in vain. If we don't work the grace of God, it doesn't work in our lives. 
So he says, let's go back to verse 6, he gives more grace. So we know there's an element here of more grace. If we go to 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, he says, uh, grace and peace have been given to us through the knowledge of God. So how does it work? It works through knowledge of Him, knowing what He wants to do. Through the knowledge of Him. How much knowledge of Him versus knowledge of me, you know, you put yourself as the me, how much knowledge of Him versus the knowledge of me do I operate in day to day? Because of the way that people act, because of the way that people respond, because of the way that, that people do things. Now, what am I talking about? I'm talking about walking in victory in this power of attorney that we've been given. If you've been given a power of attorney to, to, to operate on the name of Jesus and you have authority over all things Jesus, how come we can't do it? Sh shouldn't the church, just on the basis of what the Bible says, shouldn't we walk in more victory than what we're walking in? Okay, I think we all understand that, but we don't. Why don't we question ourselves of why? Well, it's because of... Because of Marissa, man, I got to put up with her every day. No, 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 no. God has given me the ability to put up with her. I'm just kidding. I'm just using this example. I want everybody to look at you. Just. Where's Bree? I'll use her and pick on her. Um, see, there, there's a me that gets involved in there. If God tells you to do something, isn't he big enough to make sure that what he said about it will manifest? Yeah, for sure. Then why does only about 2% of the body of Christ tithe? Well, because that was Old Testament. Well, no, it's in the New Testament also, Matthew chapter 23 and Hebrews chapter 7. But it's Hebrews chapter 7 says that we deal with it the same way we deal with uh, the Old Testament. See, why, why can't we believe him? I hear Siri, do you? He gives more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resists the proud. What is pride? Pride is your way. See, this is where doctrine will kill us. Because wrapped in doctrine is our interpretation of the doctrine. That's pride. Can you do what God has said? Well, this comes back to my statement of being because let's use money for an example. If I'm broke, in my mind, my statement of being is that I'm broke. But God said he's given me everything. How, how, do, how do I reconcile this in my brain? How do, I, how do I bring it into, if I don't have anything, if I check all my pockets, my wallets, I look at all my credit cards and they're all maxed out, and, uh, which is another problem we should talk, discuss sometime. But, uh, but I've got nothing, nothing, nothing. Now I know when you say nothing to an American, we still have something. But let's just pretend that nothing means nothing. You've got no money. You got a notice from your bank account, you've overdrafted. You have nothing in your wallet, you have nothing. How do you reconcile the fact that but God says you have everything? See, how, how am I going to walk in what God said when the reality of what I'm facing is totally contrary to what he said? Now, he said, I watch over my word to perform it. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish the thing wherewith I have sent it. So he sent his word, which healed us. He sent his word, which delivered us. He sent his word, which empowered us financially. 
How do I reconcile in my mind? I have to raise the level of the authority of the word of God over my feelings of what I see, what I feel, what I hear. And I've got to know that I have access to it. Now, that's not an endorsement to write a hot check because that's, that's a, a fear escape. Yeah. I'm going to give God three more days. That's how long it's going to take for my check to clear. So I'm going to write out a check. I'm going to pay the bill and believe God. No. No, I've got to bring it into right now. I'm going to walk. Can, can you stay at peace? When the doctor gives you a diagnosis, knowing that the word of God is bigger than the, the, the thing that you're feeling in your body. Can you stay in peace knowing that God is bigger than the bill you just got that you don't have the money for it? See, it's, it's the elevation of the word of God and it's the understanding of the power of attorney that I know what most people do here is they turn to prayer. But you have to understand, what do you pray about and what do you have authority over? Well, you've got redemption in three areas. Eternal death. The devil's trying to get you back in that sin that so easily besets you. Oh, I'm praying for God to deliver me. He already has. You take authority over it and you don't go back into it. Well, something's attacking my body. I'm asking Jesus to heal me. He already has. You take authority over it and you stand against it. Well, I'm going through it financially. I'm praying and asking God to deliver me from this and send me something that makes it work. He already has. You take authority over it and you get you bind Satan from getting his hands off, stopping your money flow. You release angels to uh, to start working on your behalf and you keep giving. Let you, they overcame by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. Get your word of your testimony in line. Talking to somebody just the other day and said, oh, it's killing me. May you die. I didn't say that. I thought it. That's killing you, really? In the scale of life, that's so low and it's killing you? Sorry. We should be walking at a higher level. I saw uh, 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 a video came up on social media the other day. They were, they were animal videos. I think it was called something like 20 animals that went crazy or something like that. And, you know, they started chasing people. Like one guy's riding his bike, and I think it, was, it happened so fast I couldn't tell. I think it was a monkey. He was like in a foreign country that probably had monkeys. And uh, it just jumped out, knocked him over, and he's like scrambling back, and it ran back into the forest. And, and another person like turned a corner, and there was a, some kind of lion there. And they were face to face with the lion. And, and, and so what did I do? I put myself in there. I should have authority over animals. Do you? Yes. Still You're still scared? <laughs> <laughs> then you don't have authority. There's no fear in authority. Can you look? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Do I got, Pastor, do you got a verse on this? Yeah. You remember I got called David? And a bear and a lion came out and took a sheep. And he grabbed the lion by the beard. That means it was a male lion. And he hit it. Do you know that you don't have the strength in your arm to hit a lion hard enough to kill it? Have you ever seen them go, go against those, buff, those big buffaloes? And man, those, 
those things, every once in a while, the buffalo gets the cat and flips it, and it goes like 20 feet in the air. But it will come against it, and it will win with that. You know, it's two and a half, three and a half times bigger than it is, but it'll win. You, you can't do that, but David did it. How did he do it? And we don't see him praying, Lord, Father, my Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Can I go get my sheep back? He didn't do that. What did he do? He went and got his sheep back. You know, the Bible says whatever the devil stole, if you recognize that it's him, he's, he's obligated to give you back seven times. That's a verse, I paraphrased it. What has he stolen from you? You listen to people with the testimony, kind of like what I just talked about on the thrift store, $5. Oh, well, praise God, man, we, we got within $5. Hallelujah, praise God, praise God. God's working for us. No, you are $5 short. I'm sorry, but second place is the first loser. In Christ, we should win. You and I got to prove we're winners. You and I got to prove that there ain't no devil in hell that can overcome us. And we're not going to fight the devil. He's defeated. There's no sickness and disease that can get on you. Because he has conquered it. He paid the price for it. You, and he gave us the power of attorney. You go and you use my name to get rid of it. You resist it. Now there's two ways of resisting. In fact, if we went down to uh, verse uh, number 7, I think we we're there next. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. What is, I, I hear people say it all the time. Well, I'm resisting the devil. Praise God. But in my mind, it doesn't really look like it. Because you know what resisting is? Stand up, Peter. You knew this was coming, didn't you? Resist me. I'm going to... I think there's a football game on today. <laughs> do you know there's people on what they call the line? They're going to do a whole lot of resisting. You just watch them and, and keep meditating on James 4, 7. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. And you watch those linebackers and what are they called? Offensive lines or something like that. Uh, you watch them and watch their resistance. They're not saying, now, now don't hit me very hard. <laughs> Let's be careful here because we all want to go home and, and, you know, not be all bruised up. No, they're resisting. There's two ways to resist the devil. One is like that. You're going to oppose what's coming on you. This is where I've talked about when like the flu bug tries to get on people. They say, well, I'm, res I'm resisting the devil as they're going to lay down and pull their blanket up and get some chicken noodle soup, you know, cooking on the, on the, the stove. Now, you're not resisting. You're conforming. So one element of resisting is the fighting back. The other element of resisting that a lot of people don't really pay attention to, uh, Isaiah chapter 60, Arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Darkness shall cover the earth, and gross darkness the people. Every time you do the word of God, you're resisting the darkness. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together, as the manner of some is. And you go to church, you're resisting darkness, because darkness is trying to keep you home. Yeah. I've had times where, like, money was under attack. You know what I did? I increased my offerings. 
Well, why would you do that? Because I'm resisting it. You're not going to tell me I have lack. God's provided for me. See, you and I have got to come to this place that we have victory. That we have victory. Now, this is a, this is a disposition. You know, it's funny. Uh, I liked boxing back in the day. and was not a fan of the person, but, but Tyson just amazes me at how hard he can hit. And people would like, you know, like do those pre-fight weigh-in type things. And people just start talking smack to Tyson. Like, do you really think you're going to survive this thing? This guy hits hard. Even if you win, my goodness, you're going to be down for a month. This guy can hit. And if he gets that uppercut in there, you're toast. But they just act like they can win. They just act like, like I'm going in there and I'm going to beat him. Now, that's just a fight. You and I are Christians. We should be going in, knowing we can beat it, acting like we're going to beat it. Know that God's word cannot fail. God's word cannot fail. God's word cannot fail. God's word cannot fail. If he said it, you know, people get their little bumper stickers. He said it, I believe it, and that settles it. But why don't you believe it? Why did your car that that bumper sticker was on just get repossessed? I thought you said, he said it, you believed it. See, at some point, we've got to apply the word to our life and how we're living, and we've got to overcome. Let's stand. I had four sets of verses, and we went to one of them. And it's a quarter till 12, and I know people do want to watch a game. I don't know what time it comes on. But uh, 